I'm Syl and this is Jack. Thank you all for tuning back in for uh, week two, episode two. Well, it's week two, so therefore episode two logically anyway. True. That was, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> That's cool. Um, so, um, got a couple of things just to catch up on before we get into the good stuff. So, um, I made a mistake last week, which was Antonio Agostini died in 1969, not 1960. If you haven't seen last week's episode... Go check it out. It's about the pajama girl. We now have social media links. Um, we've got an I Heart Murder Facebook page. Um, uh, on Instagram, it's I Heart Murder Two because my email is I Heart Murder Two at gmail.com because someone obviously got there first. Um, yeah. There's an I Heart Murder YouTube page now and an I Heart Murder Twitter, which I think if you just Google I Heart Murder Twitter, it should come up, but if not, it's at I Heart Murder 3. We're all social media up. Yep, everybody loves murder. Mm-hmm. Um, we also have a website, which is i-heart-murder.captivate.fm. Mm-hmm. Um, and the podcast is now on Apple Podcasts. I'm chasing up Spotify because it doesn't come up when you search for it. Although it says it's published on Spotify, so... I don't know what's going on there. So that's all the housekeeping done. Hopefully soon we'll be able to say wherever you get your podcast from. And since yep. the last... We are working on that. Since the debut episode, still, um, I found uh, a copy of the Pajama Girl case that you mentioned. Yes. A 1970s uh, giallo horror film with Ray Milland and what would have been one of his last roles. Um, it's loosely based on the case. Very loosely. It, so loosely that it's actually set at the time the film was made, the 70s. But it's set in Australia and follows two stories concerning murder and whatnot. So yeah. I'm still looking forward to watching it at some point. Me too. Nice. Um, nice, nice, nice. So if you have any suggestions for um, murders that you want us to cover, I've already got one from a friend. Um... Please email us, check it, hit us up on Facebook, Instagram, anywhere like that. Just give us a yell and we'll put it on the list. Please do. So, on to the good stuff. Yes, who are we going to cover today? So, today, Dirk is usually kept in the dark about what we're talking about mm -hmm. week to week. Okay, so have you ever heard of the first Australian serial killer? Wasn't he... Uh... And, and, and it was a, a male. Wasn't he active, surprisingly, um, recently? As in the, the, the 50s or early 60s? Early 60s, but the coin serial killer, the term was only coined in the 60s, 70s, around there. Yes, even though plenty of people um, were serial killers... Had killed multiple victims before yeah. then. You just but didn't the have the actual coin term was the term. Yeah, and there's also a lot of argument about what actually defines a serial killer. I'm sure there is. Like, um, basically, there's an argument about whether it's one or two, uh, two or three victims. Yeah. But there has to be a cooling off period between victims, otherwise it's a mass murder or uh, um, other definitions. You want me to do that definitions of serial killers? 
it, it, doesn't, it doesn't matter. Yeah. As long as there is a cool down period. It could be a few hours or it could be a few days or it could be a few months or years. Okay. So it just matters that there is a cooling off period. Right. Not okay. all at once. No, not all at once. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so you're right. It is 1961, 1962. Okay. Um, and I have a question mark of Australia's first serial killer mm-hmm. because he wasn't Australian. Right. So he was born in 1926. His name is William McDonald. Mm-hmm. And he was born in 1926 in Liverpool, England. Right. So he was a, a, a scouser immigrant. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm not saying that, like, he, he wouldn't be Australian, but he wasn't a citizen. He hadn't taken citizenship. He, test. he wasn't a permanent resident, as far but, as I can, I'm aware. But the crimes took place in Australia. But the crimes Australia. took place in Australia. Okay. Yes, so. Anyway, he enlisted in the army and he was raped by a corporal. Right? So he right. didn't like that at first. But then realised he liked it and became an active homosexual. Okay. So this was when he was a, uh, a, a young man in the... Yeah, 20s. Early 20s. In the, so he would have been the late 40s. So this would have been the time of um, national service, peacetime mm. prescription in the UK. Yeah. It's interesting you should mention he that. He was based in Lancashire. Okay. Yeah. A, a, a lot of... Um, because there were barracks in that part of, um, of England... Like, you have um, homosociality and gay relationships going on between oh, yeah. personnel going all the way back to the ancient Greeks and probably even before that. Yeah. But it's interesting, there's a lot of, during World War Two and afterwards in countries like Britain that had peacetime national service, you hear a lot of stories about um, young gay men coming out in this all-male environment. Maybe but it had to be... Bored. Well... You did have... <laughs> Maybe they were bored. You had your free time. You had not just your leave outside of the camp, but you also had all of your, your activities and your um, your social bonding with the members of your same gender mm. inside. And also, But it had to be, not just because of military rules, but because it was still... Homosexual activity was still uh, illegal yeah. until 1967 in Britain. After the Wolfenden report, so yeah, you definitely had to be um, be subtle about it. But a lot of young wink, wink, men, nudge, nudge. exactly. Even Brian Epstein, the Beatles manager, when he was a young man in his early twenties, he did national service, and that was one of the formative coming out moments for, for him too. Cool. Yeah, didn't know that. Okay, now you do. Now I do. <laughs> Learn something new every day. Mm-hmm. Okay, so from oh, excuse me. Oh. In 1949, he moved to Canada, mm-hmm. and then in 1955, he moved to Australia. Okay. So, he, he moved around a bit. He did. And shortly after he moved to Australia, he was arrested for touching a detective's penis. Right. In a public toilet. Oh, right. So, kind of like yeah. a prelude to cottaging. Yeah. Uh, I think the dude was undercover, so... That was awesome. I don't think he'd go, oh, cop, penis. <laughs> a plain clothes, uh... Yeah. He probably was hoping it would be a case of no clothes. No, maybe. <laughs> or at least a bit of a quickie. Um, Pretty much. And he got a two-year good behaviour bond for that one. That was often how you um, uncovered um, social deviancy, homosexuality. Yeah. You would solicit gay men in public They do it now. Undercover ops to get people. Not they gay do? men. Not gay men, but like drug deals and 
Oh, um, sex workers because I'm thinking like that. it's I'm not, not a crime I'm not, anymore. No, I'm not talking about gay men. I'm talking about in general. Oh, yeah. They yeah. still use that strategy to get the bad it's dudes. It's still acting, yeah. Although I'm not saying sex workers are bad dudes because they're no. really not. Absolutely. They're doing what they're going to do. And if they're not doing what they're going to do, they're doing what they like to get money. So, yeah, go it's for it. It's again social demonising. Mm. And it's uh, not good. There's nothing wrong with a woman liking sex. Mm -hmm. Or a dude wanting to get money either. So, I see nothing wrong with it. And neither do I. Yes. So, um, then we go to Brisbane. Now, it, it's very vague about why he went to Brisbane. It doesn't really say why he went to Brisbane or whatever. But in Brisbane, 1961, mm -hmm. um, he met 55-year-old Amos Hurst at the Roma Street Station mm -hmm. in Brisbane. Yeah. Um, they got drunk at the local pubs and then yeah. went back to Hearst's place. Maybe, I don't know, what did guys do back then? Go and crash on people's couches? I'm not sure. Anyway, mm. McDonald's... Especially in certain scenes. Yeah. yeah. After Hearst got trashed, um, McDonald began to strangle him and then he bled all over McDonald's hands. So McDonald then punched Hearst, killing him. Ooh. He then put Hearst to bed, pulled out the sheets up to his neck... Like a little baby, turned off the lights and left. Okay, trying to make it seem as if nothing was was a Okay. Yeah. So obituary reports and all that said that Hearst died accidentally, which McDonald's McDonald was so happy about because he was paranoid about the cops coming to get him about it. Yeah. And so he got away with murder. He got away with murder for a while. Um, <laughs> so victim number two is Alfred Reginald Greenfield. Mm-hmm. And this is in June 1961, so Amos Hurst was before that. Yes. Um, but I'm figuring not too far forward, like before it, but um, doesn't have dates for all of these guys. Okay, just approximations. Just approximations. So June 4th, 1961 in Sydney, so we're back in Sydney. Yeah. Um, he met Alfred Reginald Greenfield in um, Green Park, which is opposite St. Vincent's Hospital in Darlinghurst. Mm-hmm. And offered him a drink. Well, I think it's in Darlinghurst. I'm fairly sure it's in Darlinghurst. And offered him a drink. And so he lured Greenfield to the um, Sydney Domain Bars, which are nearby. Yes. And with a with promise of more grog. And he waited until Greenfield fell asleep. Stabbed him 30 times. And the first step... St Greenfield was actually kind of lucky because the first stab actually severed his neck arteries. Right. So he bled out quite quickly. Yes. Um, it's over for him. Very quickly, very quickly, which was fortunate for him. But he was stabbed 30 times. Like, the McDonald's got some issues. Yeah, that's definitely a lot of issues manifesting. Themselves. Oh, it gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. It gets worse. And you'd probably feel this a lot more than me. Um, McDonald then removed Green Greenfield's pants and undies mm. and cut off. Greenfield's testicles and penis, and threw them into the harbour. Okay. So, castration, yep. the ritual debolicking. Mutilation, castration, murder, now, rage. Could that psychologically be traced back to his initial forced sexual encounter, I wonder? wonder ah, we'll get to that a bit later. Oh, okay. But, this is what he did to this guy. Mm. And, and... Yeah. I would not want to be the cops that come up across that body. Personally. I'm ready. 
Are you ready? <laughs> okay. Next victim, victim number three, is William Coburn. Mm-hmm. And this occurred... In between June 1961 and March 1962. Okay. They don't have a date for it, but right. it's in that time frame. He was found in a public toilet in Moore Park in Sydney. Um, allured, again, with Grog to get him. And then they just sat in the public toilet drinking. Okay. I've been a deviant <laughs> and and drank in parks and on uh, um, a gutter, gutter snipe. Sat in gutters and had a drink. Never done it in a public toilet. Those things are gross. It it can happen. I know, especially but it's still gross. Especially uh, not not uh, separate units in parks, like in the um, in in the public toilets that are inside, say, public houses, for instance. There's a bit of surreptitious um, consumption of grog that goes on there, but in a public toilet. That's in a be park. Quite unhygienic in a park. Yeah. yeah, and I bet you that this is why they lock the gates on public toilets after dark. That <laughs> could have something to do with it, or public safety, morals, something like that. But well, I think this covers all of those. Certainly, because Corbin Coburn was not safe, and it's pretty morally wrong to kill someone. Mm. So I think that's covering all of it. Anywho. This one was even more odd. Mm. So, McDonald put on a plastic raincoat. Mm. Right? And then stabbed Coburn with an uppercut into the neck. Oh! Severing the jugular. Which, I'm kind of a little bit confused about that. Unless he went kind of sideways. Oh, that yeah. must have been quite a bit of spatter from that. Oh yeah, it, the 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 cubicle was covered in blood, Ugh. and he has a plastic brain coat on. I think this is where the guy from Psycho, American Psycho, figured it out of wearing a raincoat <laughs> when he chainsawed that dude. But yeah, anywho, well maybe Ellis read the case notes. Who knows? Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Um, hmm, serving the jugular, blah 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 blah. Okay, so apparently Coben tried to defend himself, but ultimately didn't succeed. Mm. Obviously. Obviously. McDonald continued to stab Coben even after the poor bugger was dead. Like, That's rage. Um, after he finished his stabbing spree, McDonald pulled down his pants and undies and cut his bits off again. Again. Yep. But this time, he put them in a plastic bag along with the raincoat and took them home. <laughs> he left the scene and, and was just hung them up. I, on the mantelpiece? They say that he he disclosed what he did with the genitals when he got home in the trial, mm-hmm. but I can't find trial transcripts. And I'm not entirely sure I want to. Oh, fair enough. Um, it's just enough to know that he took them home with him. Anything could have happened there. Uh, yeah. You could probably find transcripts somewhere, but... Yeah, he could have made beef jerky. Or, just... or what What would you call human meat? Human meat jerky? Uh, flesh jerky? Flesh jerky. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, that's... <laughs> I was thinking, I wonder if he possibly consumed. Maybe. Yeah. No, it does not say anything about cannibal- cannibalism, though. Okay. Okay, so, um... Yeah, plastic bag along with the raincoat. He left the scene, washed his hands and face on the way home. So, March 31, 1962. This one's just weird. Okay, so he met... Frank Gladstone McLean, 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 
Let, we'll go with McLean. Yeah, I think I was acceptable, but like we'll like McLean. like the town. Yeah. Um. So he met McLean walking down Burke Street in Darlinghurst near the cop shop. So near the police station, right? Okay. Proposed a drinking session nearby down Burke Lane, and so off they went. You know, guys and booze too. Also, at <laughs> that point in time in Sydney's history, you had a very large concentration of of pubs on 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 that street and in the immediate vicinity, the the the, the really? cross streets and. and I'd whatnot. heard about Oxford Street and Pitt Street, but I hadn't heard about Burke Street. Um. Yeah, there was still um, a, a high, a, a large number of, of, of pubs. They didn't get as much attention as the aforementioned areas of inner Sydney. But well, Oxford and Pitt Street seem to be a little bit more loud. Mm. They, their clientele and such. They still had, um, yeah, loud nightlife, just different sort of ambience and, and, and music, even then mm. and before. Yeah. Yeah. This was this was after the the end of the the six o'clock well six o'clock closing in New South Wales that ended in nineteen fifty five so you could do things a bit more out in the open. Yeah, okay. I didn't know that. I learned so much talking to you doing this. Oh, shucks, thank you. Um, you're welcome. I hope you learned too. Absolutely. Um, so as they enter Burke Lane, McDonald pulls out a knife and just stabs McLean. McLean. On the, like in the throat. In the ugh. that seems to be. There like, seems to be a yeah. Well, there's a lot fixation. of there's a lot of delicate stuff in your neck. Yes. Your spine, mm-hmm. the top of your spinal cord, all your little jugulars and so you can carotids and all that fun stuff. Paralysis, blood spurts, and 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 splatter. You can lose your ability to breathe and 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 your voice box and that if you cut the front. Oh, yeah, the larynx is affected, definitely. Yeah. Yeah, yeah all sorts of stuff. Oh, boy. It's a, it's a, it's quite a, a valid place to shove a knife. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> okay. I guess one could say that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> a valid place to shove a knife. Okay. Indeed. Um, uh, severing the jugular straight up. Oh, no. I'm in the wrong spot. Wait, 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 wait. Back up, Sil. Whoop, whoop, whoop. Uh, in the throat. McLean, McLean tried. I'm gonna try McLean, like like John McLean. Yeah, just think of it. Yeah, just think of John McLean in your head. Mm. McLean tried to defend himself, as did Coben, but um, was too tanked and fell down. Went boom. Yeah. Um, McLean was over. Well, McDonald was over McLean. Too many mucks. Mm. Having a stab fest. Yeah. Um. While like, McLean's desire. Like, was provoked, but the booze took away from the performance. Pretty much. Non-sexual. <laughs> yeah. I, yeah. I've, I've heard about that. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, yeah so, using the quote from yeah. Yeah, Macbeth in the non-sexual way. In, so in the head and um, in McLean's head, neck, throat, face, chest and abdomen. So all over the front bit. Is that the most extensive uh, damage well, from does... stabbing so far? It doesn't say in other ones exactly where he was stabbed. Like, like I think the guy that got 300 stab wounds... Uh, th- 30 stab wounds, sorry. Oh, my bad. 30 stab wounds in... Mr. Greenfeld. If he, um, That wouldn't have all been in his neck. I'm figuring it would be, like, down his chest and that, too. Further south. Or even into his face, like he is with McLean. McLean. Okay. Definitely up there, from yeah. what we know... Yeah, about the from, anatomy from, affected. from my readings with 
stab wounds. Mm-hmm. Most people, when they're having like a stab fest, yeah, it's not just in one area, especially when they're really mad. No, the the, the crime side is quite uh, quite extensive, quite vast. Yeah. So anyway, mm. he's he's having a happy little time with his slicing and dicing. Right? Yeah. But he was interrupted by a young couple with a baby. He heard the baby cry. Okay. And so he like retreated to the bushes. And was sitting there while like watching this couple right come across McLean, and then when they went to go get the cops, which is just up the road, yeah, and he's not far away from the cop shop. Yeah, he returned to McLean, who was barely holding on, mortally wounded. Yes, finished the job, pulled down his pants and undies, cut off his painting, cut off his genitals. Sorry, um, put them in a plastic bag and took them home, and was not. Caught. And was not caught. Wow, that's very, dare I say, unfortunately, ballsy on his part. <laughs> that was insane. Oh, that was insane. Considering the re- the very real risk that he could have been, yeah, uh, discovered. Yeah. So was there um was there a manhunt? Was there increased police presence from this point? I, I don't know about the police in. Police presence, but he was about this time given the nickname the Sydney Mutilator. The Sydney Mutilator. Which I thought was quite hilarious. That's quite... That's graphic. Graphic. Very graphic. The nickname's just quite graphic. That's not really um, leaving anything uh, in in the dark to suggestion. Or no. like that, is it? No. Also about this point, the cops thought the killer might be a deranged surgeon. Okay. Because of all the, the cutting off of things. Right. So kind of like one theory about the identity of Jack the Ripper. Yeah, that is one theory. Okay. Oh, I don't want to cover that one anytime soon. <laughs> That's intense. Um, so after he did McLean, he... Or McLean. McLean, McLean, whatever. You get the point. Muck. It's M-C-L-E-A-N. Okay? <laughs> Say it how you wish. I'm just yanking your chains. I know. So um, after that dude's death... Yeah. <laughs> McDonald brought a small shop in Burwood under the name Alan Edward Brennan, mm-hmm. and he was selling mixed goods sandwiches and deli meats. He also had an apartment upstairs, so he had some privacy for his slicing and dicing. Okay. I just mm-hmm. thought of another uh, another uh, outcome for the uh, for the genitalia. Mm. They went into his product. Oh. I know. How? Don't. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry, uh, I heart murder. You're gonna come up with. Oh come on! Quite I don't want to. I don't want to be thinking about eating testicles, though. <laughs> Look, I don't even like eating like testicles. You're supposed to eat like bull testicles and stuff. I'm sure all of his customers, you know, they they would have gone along with the uh, dictum that ignorance is bliss too. Uh, if this even happened, maybe we I, no I don't think so. But um, ew, cannibals always give me the mm. the willies though. Um. So, <laughs> that was not meant to be a pun. <laughs> so, but this show, I mean, this episode, it's yeah, yeah. right with opportunities. So, um, his final victim, so mm. victim number five, yeah, is Patrick James Hackett. Hackett. And he was um, killed in June 6th, 1962. Okay. And he was the first victim in McDonald's New Dicks. Right. So, bless you in the face. Thank you. So, testing out, like, the soundproofing, and <laughs> I guess. Of course. 
So we met Hackett at a wine saloon on Pitt Street. What's a wine saloon? A wine saloon, thank you. A wine saloon is uh, like a, a wine bar, subterranean. I think from this context, you still had, even after the six o'clock swill was repealed, even at this stage in the early 60s, it was 10 o'clock, 10 p.m. legal closing for, for pubs and maybe a little longer for other life establishments. But basically, um, saloons in this context are unlicensed premises, speakeasies, very hush-hush. I think that's the context. Oh, sweet, okay. But definitely secluded place where you can um, get your fix of wine, and probably cheap wine too, like your uh, your flask of wine, your goon equivalent. Okay, cool. Mm. Does that come with one of those blow-up pillows? <laughs> I think this goon is sack. still a little early uh, uh, a for the actual sack. goon set. Oh, and fortified wine too, like flagons of port and whatnot. Stuff. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Cool. Oh, thank you. You're welcome. So, 42-year-old Hackett had just recently been released from prison because he was a thief. Okay. He got busted. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, no, that's not fair. He got shish Um, Went back to McDonald's to drink more where Hackett fell asleep. Keep into his ammo. Yep. Um, McDonald went downstairs and got a bony knife from his shop. Oh. And then stabbed Hackett in the neck. All your things on hand if you deal with, um... Uh-huh. Yeah. Small I wrote, this woke up, woke Hackett up, duh. Oh. Because I would have woken me up. And he tried to... Yeah. And he tried to defend himself from the next blow. He pushed the knife into McDonald's hand, cutting it severely. And this caused McDonald to lose his shit. Like, lose it. And went into a stabbing frenzy. Like, just killing... Like, stabbing the crap out of Hackett until he finally got his heart. Killing him. And McDonald kept going. After he killed him. Until he just could not do it anymore. He was exhausted from, like, stabbing. That's quite extended psychosis there. That's a lot of energy. A lot of anger, too. Yeah. Like, something's going on there. Anyway... Weird guy. So he sat in the pool of blood and tried to remove Hackett's genitals, mm. but the knife was too blunt from all the hacking. So he just like chopped at the penis and testicles a couple of times, like half heartedly, I'm okay. guessing, because he was tired. And um, then he passed out because he was all tuckered out. <laughs> so, so would anybody, I think, yeah. after such a. Yeah. He woke up in the morning and found that the pool of blood had soaked through the floorboards and it almost reached the counters downstairs. Ooh. So he cleaned himself up and went off to the hospital to get his, his hand stitched. Yeah. And then he became paranoid about the cops coming for Hackett and about the blood stains that he couldn't get rid of off the floor in the floorboards because it had soaked through and on the walls and stuff. Mm-hmm. So he hid the body under the shop. Okay. And took off to Brisbane. He's just like, nope, I'm out of here. Went back up north again. <laughs> Tried to hide the evidence. Yeah. So, three weeks later, neighbours complained about the smell coming from the shop mm. and called the authorities. Didn't think that through. No. That's what's going to happen with decomposing bodies. Yes. The police arrived, found the corpse under the shop, and thought it was McDonald, whose um, pseudonym was Brennan. Yeah. 
So I'm a little confused about what they actually thought it was, who he was identified as. Um, and the corpse was buried at the hospital, and Nurse McDonald was assumed to be dead. Yeah, I would assume if he was operating out in the open with the business under um, the, the surname uh, Brennan, that he would have been um, mistakenly, wrongly identified, the corpse wrongly identified as Brennan. But, that's just my guess. But an obituary was placed in the newspaper and old workmates held a memorial for McDonald, who was deceased. Oh. So, I, I don't know. This is where it gets a little bit confusing. That is confusing. Yeah. So, for the deceased, who at the moment was in Brisbane. Yes. <laughs> and then... <laughs> very, very much alive. Very much alive. And then went to New Zealand. Oh. So... He's definitely making his way through the through the Commonwealth. Yeah, I know, right? Yeah, and it's the Commonwealth by this stage. It's yeah. not the Empire anymore. Yeah. And, um... Yeah, because Queen Liz is on the throne in that. That's correct. Yeah. Still still fairly early in her reign. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. I've watched The Crown. Uh, <laughs> so, so McDonald had the urge to kill again, but apparently he had to do it in Sydney. So he left New Zealand and came back to Sydney. Interesting attachment to, to, to Sydney as the uh, location of the crimes. Yeah, a lot of people have their hunting ground. True. And where they're comfortable. Hmm. Um, so, shortly after his return, he bumped into an old work friend, John McCarthy. Okay. Who was, yeah, in shock, because apparently this dude's dead. Okay. And just like, hey, ghost! <laughs> <laughs> Definitely a resurrection situation going on. Yeah. Zombie, I don't know, but you would be quite, well, perplexed is an understatement. Yeah. Severe understatement. Well, McDonald isn't aware that he's dead. I would think he'd take more advantage of it if he was aware of it, but he's not actually aware that he's dead. Right, being up because he and then took off and then went to New Zealand. And then Zid. Yeah. So they go for a drink because that's apparently what you're doing in 1960s Sydney. Oh yeah. And um, McCarthy explained the situation to McDonald. There are so many mooks. Yep. And um, then asks McDonald whose body was found under the shop. Like that'd be the first question I'd ask, really. Yeah. Like, who's the dude that's dead? Yes. And now buried... What's the identity? Yeah. Yeah. So, McDonald became paranoid and left for Melbourne now. Okay. So, he's done the whole East Coast, basically. Basically, yeah. Um, So, McCarthy went to the cops who didn't believe him. They said he was drunk and to go home and to sleep it off. Which is kind of understandable at their part. Yeah. Like, you're confronted with this guy who's been drinking. Mm-hmm. You can probably smell the alcohol or whatever. Talking about this guy that's dead. In the bag. Like yeah. a walking corpse. Mm. Right? And I stole that from the article. <laughs> <laughs> um, but he then went back next day with the same story. So you'd think they'd be kind of thinking, oh, what's up here? Mm. Either this guy's insane or there's something to this. And they didn't believe him. They still didn't believe him. They still didn't. Okay. So he went to the Daily Mirror, which is a paper in Sydney, mm-hmm. and they believed him, and they reported on the case of the walking corpse. Well, yes. Uh, you you would not be surprised by that, really, I should think, because, you know, there's it's got a sensationalistic angle to it. There's potential high circulation to be had. Oh, yeah. Anyway. Oh, sensational covers, like, the rest of McDonald's life. <laughs> from, well, until he gets sentenced. Yeah. 
Um, so the article found, um, forced police to exhume the body. Mm-hmm. Weight of public opinion. <sighs> what I think is so dumb, though. They identified the body correctly. From fingerprints. And then they find stab wounds and attempted mutilation of the penis and testicles. You would think that they would have noticed this the first time. What happened the first time? Was it trying to rush through to, to get to the, uh... To the to the Roses bar to the to the cops drinking place or something. I have no idea. Go and On get Birch donuts. They got to go get donuts from Krispy Kreme or the Australian <laughs> equivalent in the early hey. early sixties. Yeah, whatever. They need food. <laughs> but you've got an unidentified body. Sure, you have an idea of who that body is, where like given the place and and all that. But identify it correctly. It definitely sounds like a thorough job was not done the no. first time. This could have all been ended earlier, wrapped up earlier. Yeah, so the cops finally got their shit together mm -hmm. and found out who it was, identified the body correctly, and realised that they had the Sydney Mutilator. Like, who it was. They knew who it was. Dun, dun, dun. They knew it was McDonald. Um, so, they made an identical picture of McDonald and... I think this is the one. No, no, that's actually a picture of McDonald. So that's a picture of McDonald when he did the killings. So that's what it ah. looks like. Okay, and so they circulated um, a dedicated picture of McDonald all over mm. Australia, right? Every newspaper in Australia got this picture to print. Mm. And Looking a bit like Rupert Brooke. Who? Rupert Brooke was a uh, war poet, English war poet in World War One, who uh, died at Gallipoli. Cool. Thanks yeah. for letting me know. That's all right. I had to show you a photograph sometime. Yeah, for a sure. Bit, a little bit of a resemblance. That'd be cool. Cool. <laughs> Brooke's claim to fame, looking like an Assyrian killer. <laughs> um, <laughs> so McDonald's gotten a job at, um, at Melbourne Rail when he moved to Melbourne. Um... After dyeing his hair and growing a moustache. A moustache. A moustache. Because that was just the disguise of the of the time, I'm gathering. Mm. Um, but he was recognised um, by a workmate and the police captured him when he was getting his paycheck. Which is like sucky, like, if that's... you think about it. No, you don't even get to, like, spend your money. No, that's um, <laughs> that's going to sour you on not uh, getting it. money forevermore. Yeah, use it for your defence, bitch. <laughs> I wonder if it went into the defence fund. I don't know, maybe. <laughs> so, McDonald admitted to the killings and readily admitted. He's just like, yep, yeah, me, I did it. Whoop. Okay. Um, and spoke about the rape when he was in the army and yeah. that he was inflicting his revenge upon randoms. So, back to your question about whether or not that came up again. Yes, it did. Came up in his defence. And maybe internal rage against the whole... Um, System. Persecution. Yeah, system. Uh, the system against gay people at that time. Maybe. I don't Maybe. Know. Maybe that's putting too... Um, I could go into it a bit further. Like, there was an um, interview done with him and that, but I don't really want to get into the issues. A police interview? Press uh, interview? No, I think it was a press interview. Okay. Yeah. It's on Murderpedia if you want to read it. Murderpedia is a great resource. I am um, looking forward to checking that out. Oh, you mentioned it the other day, actually, darling. What, Murderpedia? Murderpedia. I love Murderpedia because they give you um, the articles about each murderer and yeah. you can just, like, 
and let you know where they're from and stuff. So it's, it's really great. It's it a great resource. have been somebody else we know. Or the girls from I, uh, My Perfect Murder. That's it. They use this resource as well and they, they recommend it. They also mention yep. it and I heard it not too long after we were talking about Yeah. Yeah, Karen and Georgia at My Perfect Murder. Uh, my Favourite Murder. Yeah. Yeah. They're, that's a really good podcast. Great, too. great podcast. Um, funny too. Hilarious. Yeah. Anyway. Um, yeah, okay. So spoke about the rapes and that he was admitting, inflicting his revenge on random. So his trial began in September of 1963, which isn't a bad turnaround considering his last victim was in June of 1962. That's really not a bad turnaround. So just around, just over a, a, um, At all. a year. Considering, yeah. And yeah, okay. this was the most sensational story in the nation at the time. Like, first serial killer, although they didn't coin those terms, but you know what I mean, like, massive murderer, all this stuff. Yeah. Massively sensational story. And on the stand, McDonald went into great detail of the murders. Great detail? Great detail. Um, where is it? I've got the Murderpedia article here. And, um, he said he went into... Just give me a second. Of course. Take your time. Um, the public hang on to, hung on to every word that came from McDonald's mouth. During the trial, McDonald spoke in great detail of the gruesome murders. He told the court of how blood had sprayed all over his raincoat as he castrated his victims, put their private parts in plastic bags and took them home. And as I said earlier, he even told the court what he did with the genitals once he got home. Of which, there's no record there's on Murderpedia? No, there's no record that I could find. Okay. Or I might have missed it. <laughs> there's a lot on him. Have to go back. There's and... a lot of information on William McDonald, actually. So well, um, Just from what you've told me, I'm surprised. I don't even know whether they were still doing it as often now, but they used to be uh, a procedure in the uh, earlier decades of the 20th century Probably in um, in the wider British legal system too, but definitely in Australia. I know of some specific cases where parts of the court, uh, some of the demographics, such as um, women and children, were cleared out for more salacious aspects in in testimony, uh, sexual or violent in nature. So kind of think of it as a, a a skeleton a skeleton crew, like all male, enough needed to have a quorum to hear the evidence, but you know, the, the yeah. more impressionable, in quotation, the weaker, in quotation, marks, uh, sex ages were were cleared out. You know, not to offend public morals. Well, Doesn't sound like this happened here. No, because some jurors fainted and had to be removed from the courtroom. So I'm not entirely sure that that was what was happening here. So he pled guilty due to insanity. Mm-hmm. Now, the jury went, even though... There was evidence of insanity. Um, the juries went, no, not happening. You're guilty. There's not Done. a high enough degree. There's you, there's a, a, a large enough degree of sanity and rational rational cognizance of what's happened and culpability. Well, he took the the private parts away with him. That definitely points disposal, to so... a mind that's not that. Greatly Also, disturbed. he obviously took weapons with him mm. at times. So it was, it was thought. Anywho, no, mm. Justice McLennan 
More mucks. Thank you, British diaspora. Yeah. More, um, Justice McLennan said that this was the most barbaric case of murder and total disregard for human life that come before him in his many years on the bench. MacDonald was sentenced to life in prison with a strong recommendation that he never be released. His papers were actually marked with likely to offend again. And he was held in at the end of his life. Mm-hmm. He was held in Long Bay Correctional Centre. He was the oldest and longest serving inmate in New South Wales prison system Ooh. when he died on the 12th of May 2015 from a gastrointestinal blockage at age 90. Wow. So there's a Tear? Pic- there's a picture of John uh, William McDonald when he when he was in prison. I'm sorry. The reason that I am like kind of I'm taken aback a little bit giggling is not not only is that obviously within our lifetimes, mm-hmm. uh, only um, was only about five, five years, years ago. ago. It was about the time we got to get to school. Yeah, it was. <laughs> you can just shush. Uh, so um, that's the story of William McDonald. Wow. So he he survived for um, a long, sh- long time. Well, you you didn't say he, but was, I he was he was put in jail in either the end of nineteen sixty three or the beginning of nineteen sixty four. I assume that, it but was, he was in jail before that. Oh yeah, when he got busted after the Hackett murder. Yeah, he he would have been in jail before he would have been nineteen sixty four was over. He would have been in remand. Yeah, yeah, from the moment he was captured. So over fifty years. Yeah. Yeah, wow. Yeah, yeah. Okay. Um, so you see why I wonder if he's Australia's first serial killer? Like, because he like, wasn't a a um, citizen. But, on the other hand, he did commit all the murders here, and he was incarcerated here for a good long period. Indeed. So, that that's where the doubt comes in. But I would classify him as Australia's first serial killer. Well... I, with that term... I think you could definitely make a case. Yeah. I mean, you certainly have uh, high instances of um, serial killers, serial killing after after the Second World War in the in the baby boomer generation. So, well, this is at the start of seventies um, and eighties in the states seem to be where a lot of their serial killers came in. And right. this is, like, at the beginning of that. Like, this is, like, the 1960s, but... Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like, it's coming into that serial killer peak, mm. I suppose you would say. You had Bundy and all that in that peak, and it kind of petered down in the 90s. Like, you got Dharma and that, but it kind of petered down towards the towards the, mil- the millennium. Um, there's still serial killers in that, but, like, there was a lot of serial killers in the 70s and 80s. Going into, um, go, going into Generation, uh, Generation X and the... Yeah, because you got... Era of the all and in the 70s in the States, you've got Manson, you've got Bundy, you've got, um, the Green River Killer, you've got the Highway Killers, which there are multiples of, you've got, um, a lot of the Highway of Tears in Canada, you've got... You got the Boston Boston Strangler was in the seventies, I believe. Uh 
one 60s? of them. Sixties. One of them was in the sixties. <laughs> there was two Boston Stranglers, so one of them was in the sixties. And there was the Yorkshire Ripper in the sixties too, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, mistake. as I said, that this is like kind of the build-up of serial killers, and then you hit the peak, and then. But and you, you also have things, disappearances, yeah. deaths in uh, in Australia during the sixties as well, which you may or may not decide to cover. Yeah, but also where I have Sorry. doubt with Australia's first serial killer. One, he was English. Two. Um, there were like the baby farmers and that. Wouldn't they be classified as serial killers? Um, there were other killers that had multiple victims with the cooling off period before him. Well, this might be um, stirring, not stirring the pot, muddying the waters um, a, a bit. And also, this would definitely be our uh, British persons literally, literally transported to Australia. Convicts. Because would there not be instances in Australia's convict history Probably. of serial killers? Well, you've got... Um, Alexander Pierce, the first, mm-hmm. uh, the first Australian cannibal. There was a cooling there off was, period. There, there was more than two victims there, and there was a cooling off period. So you could argue mm. that he was a serial killer, and that was in the eighteen eighties, wasn't it? In the it was no, no, eighteen twenties. Eighteen twenties. I knew it was in the eighteen somethings. No, yeah, you didn't. It even was have... way, way, way before that. Oh, it had been abolished for about twenty years. Uh, in in WA by the by the eighteen eighties. Yeah, the convict system. But, but anyway, there was yeah. there was um there are lots of people in in Australian history and in history in general, but this is for Australian history that have had more than two victims, two or three victims with a cooling off period, which do fit the the the, the definition of a serial killer. Maybe it's because even though you do have instances of um run-ins with the law amongst uh, serial killers in all historical and national contexts. Maybe the the convict era in our history, um, it's too tied up in um, the beginnings of white settlement in Australia and a form of uh, incarceration social uh, movement. Maybe there are historians and writers of the phenomenon of the serial killer that want to try and divorce the concept, bring it away more from that sort of system. Mm, I, I really do want to like do more research on this part of what is who is Australia's actual first serial killer because mm. I reckon um, Pierce would be up there as a know. possible because he escaped from. I'll do an episode later. He escaped from Thanks, prison in Tasmania and killed. I think I think his victim count was three or four, and there were mm. kill, cooling off periods in between each of those, including. One, two or three he did on one escape, and then the last one he did on another escape. So, like, there was a massive cooling off period there. Was... But yeah, anyway, we're going to talk about McDonald's, sorry. Was, uh, McDonald's, um, sexual orientation and the milieus in which he moved, was that made, um, a great deal of, I wonder, including in a moralistic, disapproving tone, in press coverage and in the trial proceedings. Oh, probably. Yeah. I I didn't see any articles per se. Okay. Um but as I said there is a lot of information on this dude. Yeah. Um he had a lot of there there probably are articles I just couldn't find them in mm-hmm. the set amount of time that I had. Yeah. Um but uh, knowing the type of the time frame and the yeah. period of of society it would have been massive. Homosexuality as a perversion, as yeah, a disease. Yeah, they would have as... used... Sorry, go. 
as something that leads to, you know, insanity and, and mass murder and, yeah, all sorts he, of immoral going he, on. He would have been used, I, I would say, I'm not going to say 100% because I wasn't there and, I, as I said, I couldn't find the as research. Postable. I would say that he was used in, as an example of the deviancy of homosexuality, uh, yes. Yeah. That wouldn't surprise me either, but more research needs Because even Dharma was, and that was in the mm. 90s. Yep. So I'm gathering in the 60s, it would have been worse than what Dharma was. Yeah. And Australia had to wait on a state-by-state state, uh, first and then a national basis for discrimination uh, against um, against uh, the LGBTQ BTQ plus community uh, to, to, be, to be stopped. At a legal level, yeah. unfortunately, there's still a lot of prejudice... In society, but it's it's a different situation than it was back in the sixties. Yeah, very different. That's for damn sure. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, that's the story of Australia's first serial killer, William McDonald, and the fixation upon penises. Yeah. Yeah. I have that fixation. <laughs> <laughs> Hopefully not after severing the members. No, 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 no. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far. Not even to my exes. Oh. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right guys thank you for that so <laughs> right. thanks everyone for we'll listening see, and watching we'll see you next week and yeah. remember like i heart murder bye bye <laughs>